Hey everyone, so such a great pleasure to have Bart with us today. So you know we are gonna have some great discussion with him, like regarding CNCF, CNCF projects, open source, and such a lot of great content is gonna be happen in this session. So of all, like how's going on today with? Oh, uh, good. Very uh, as every day. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's very very nice to be here interacting with you. Um, having not met that long ago, but just seeing all the amazing things that are happening, um, seeing young people that are very engaged. And I think we're going to, you know, before we got, before we started, we were actually having some interesting conversations about your experience, about my experience, about things that work, about some best practices. So hope we can talk about those things. Um, but yeah, today as every day, talking to lots of people about, uh, cloud native projects, about the data on Kubernetes community. Um, obviously talking about that more in detail about how they got started, my role in that, um, and also some explanations about, you know, how folks can get involved no matter what their skill level is or experience level is. Um, but most of all, just really, really happy to be here. So thank you both uh, for having me. Yeah. So let us like start with the discussion since I know there, there's going to be such a long and great discussion. So let's, let's get started with it. Right. So. First of all, tell me how uh, how was your journey and like how you got into these things and all. Very very good question. Uh, so to start out, uh, you know, basic facts about me: I'm 35 years old. I've been living in Spain for the last 10 years, but I'm originally from the United States. I'm originally from Northern California, and I got into tech six years ago. Um, but I always explain to people that I got into tech uh, from the human side, as it wonderfully says in the YouTube description. Um, doing things related to talent management, event organization, communication, um, training programs, connecting with universities, with other companies. And I was doing that for a British uh, software development company um, in the north of Spain where I live. And I did that for three years. And then, like I said, while I was doing that, it was building communities. But in the past, before the pandemic, when we used to meet in person, and so I did that for about three years and then I left and I started working as a freelancer doing things that I had been doing in that company, but then doing on my, uh, on my own uh, for different companies. And so through that, like I said, continued in the similar line and also got into audiovisual production. Um, so you'll see a big part of the, the DOK and also things that I do in the CNCF are related to videos. Uh, I'm not the, I don't do the technical side of things, just the storytelling the production side, but, uh, but in terms of how I got started in the DOK, which is how I also got involved in the CNCF, was last year at around this time, uh, a friend of mine had started uh, had started the, the data on Kubernetes community for uh, for a company that wanted to drive these conversations forward in a vendor neutral environment, and he realized this friend of mine that he was not going to be able to continue, and so he asked if I would be interested in starting it. And to be totally honest, I was really overwhelmed and I was quite sure that I was not going to say yes. But then the more and more that I thought about it, um, even though I'm not a technical practitioner, I'm not a DevOps or you know sysadmin or SRE or these kind of profiles, I realized that there are other skills that you can have um, for building communities. And my experience from doing that, that would be useful. So that's how I ended up getting involved. But the most important thing there actually is that this is a friend, uh, big shout out to Demetrius, he's the one who got me involved in this, that I've been friends with for almost uh, the entire 10 years that I've been living in Spain. He was an American who had also been living there, and we had always stayed in touch. I got into tech before he did, but when he started getting involved in tech, um, we talked about different ideas and things of that nature, and it just stayed in touch. So I think really the most valuable lesson there isn't necessarily about Kubernetes. It's about maintaining good relationships with the people that you, that you know, and, and you don't know if something might happen in six months or in 10 years. Um, so, so like I said, it's, it's really, I think, the, the lesson to be learned there is to establish good connections with people, to take care of each other. Um, something that we say in the CNCF is a big thing is to pay it forward, um, to do things for other people without necessarily expecting things in return. Just knowing that what someone who I'm a big fan of, you should all know, is Hippie Hacker, who believes in the spirit of viral generosity. That if I do something generous for you, that encourages you to do generous things for other people. Um, so it's it's like we we kind of look at it, you know, planting the seeds um, for something that, like I said, long term, you may have no idea what will happen. But in doing these kind of things, you encourage other people to do the same thing. So in a big way, I'm I'm very much here today speaking to you because of this spirit of generosity and paying it forward. Um, so yeah, that's the 
that's the long and short answer to that question. Yeah, it's such a great and inspiring story for us. You know, like uh, community helps a lot in everything. You have like uh, even I have seen like community helps a lot in anything I have been into. Let it be like in technical, apart from even uh, like astronomy and all I have been part of. So these things have been uh, uh, such a great part of helping each other and all. Right. So with that, let's get to our ne uh, next question. So basically, you know, uh, what uh, like how you got into like, you know, CNCF ambassador program and like what was your contribution towards CNCF that you became one of the CNCF ambassadors? Okay, very good question. So like I said, when I got started in the data on Kubernetes community, we were just a 100% independent space. And we realized though, because of the technologies that we're talking about and the things that were going on the CNCF, that there were things that we had in common, um, a cloud native approach, avoiding vendor lock-in, focusing on open source. These are all things that are very much part of our community. So we began to have conversations with the CNCF in early 2021, um, about eight months ago this year, and uh, basically exploring the idea of like, hey, perhaps there could be some kind of collaboration here because we're doing things that we believe are well aligned with the CNCF's mission. And they agreed. So they decided that we would be integrated as a community and that we would also organize a co-located event in KubeCon in May. So we, uh, we, we started working on that. And, and since then, we've had a very, very good relationship with, with the CNCF um, and all the folks that are working, working there and trying to interact with as many different um, other CNCF ambassadors and focusing on CNCF projects. For example, yesterday in the session that we had, we talked about, um, about Thanos, which is a well-known CNCF project. Um, and how that connects to the data on Kubernetes space. In terms of me becoming an ambassador, because a, a lot of folks want to know about how they can become a CNCF ambassador. Once again, um, if you're doing these things that we mentioned previously, if you're paying it forward, if you're actively being generous in the CNCF ecosystem, that is the fastest and best way to make yourself visible to become an ambassador. If you want to know more information, you just need to go, if you go to Google and type in CNCF ambassador, you will see that they have an entire explanation about how to do it. But generally speaking, the common trend or characteristic that you'll see amongst CNCF ambassadors is that they're all leading some kind of a community, right? They may have a podcast. Uh, they may have uh, some kind of a project that they're working on that's well connected to the CNCF. They may write books. There are lots of different ways to be involved. But generally speaking, it relates to some kind of leadership that connects to the CNCF ecosystem. So you can apply to be an ambassador as many times as you want. Um, it, and there's also quite a long list, so don't expect necessarily an answer within a day or two. These things take time. And I applied once um, when we first started getting started out with the CNCF, um, and and I didn't get accepted. And then um, I talked to some other folks, and they said, oh, no, no, you should try to apply again. So I did, and that time I did get accepted. And so since then, it's been very, very nice to be working with the CNCF um, more directly. Also, the CNCF students group, a uh, big shout out to Kunal Kushwaha, who's very involved in that, as well as some other great folks in the CNCF, such as Bill Mulligan, uh, Divya Moham, um, uh, Dan Pop. Anyway, a lot of amazing folks that are out there um, actively engage, actively engaging young people to show them that the CNCF had, is really a place for everybody. I say that, all right, as a non-technical person, because I can also contribute to things like Kubernetes and other CNCF projects through non-technical contributions. Um, for example, one of the things that I do is that I'm in a, a marketing group with some amazing people. And what I do is that I find contributor stories, right? So there are lots and lots of different ways to contribute. Could be through community, could, th could be through um, uh, internships or menteeships. Um, it could be through building, uh, building a new community in a different area, such as what you're doing right now in Navi Mumbai, which is amazing. And so what I get to do is that I get to follow those folks, uh, get in touch with them, and then build out their stories, right? And those stories can be in blog format. They can be in video format. We can do podcasts. We can do different things. And that's a way to make other folks know that they can get involved too. Um, so a big part for me is that as a non-technical person who's been very, very welcomed, I want to do the same thing to let people know whether they're my age or your age, it doesn't matter. But basically the number one rule to get involved in the CNCF be nice. <laughs> that that's like if you're friendly and you're nice and you're not aggressive and and you know you're welcoming and you welcome other people too. Um, that's pretty much the number one way to get involved. There are lots of other ways to get involved. You can kind of figure that out. We'll talk about that probably a little bit more later. 
But I would say the number one thing for folks who want to get involved, be friendly. All right. A positive attitude goes a long way. And particularly right now in the time of the pandemic where stress levels are very high, a little bit of kindness really means a lot to people, no matter where they are in the world, because we're all going through difficult situations where there's uncertainty, where there's doubt. Um, so like I said, that's that's uh, that's my sort of approach to it. But I think most people in the CNCF would probably agree to. Yeah, such a great like info you have shared with us. So now I guess, um, uh, Bart, we have got a great question from Arjit Das. Like, when will Bart open his academy to teach people how to rap? <laughs> oh, that's really, really funny. First of all, thanks for the question. And and to relate to that as well is that, like, like I said, about making these spaces more accessible, a lot of the rap thing kind of came down to that. It's because, look, when it comes down to it, the data on Kubernetes community, if Kubernetes is complicated, data on Kubernetes, I don't want to say it's more complicated. I'm just saying it's not something that's done by a lot of people. We're talking about data on Kubernetes. We're talking about running databases, um, handling storage, um, stateful workloads, application stateful sets, all those kind of things, which is a very specific kind of niche, new thing to be doing on Kubernetes. So for a lot of people, it's like, oof, that sounds really, really hard. Um, so what I wanted to do to increase the amount of excitement or interest about this is that I knew from a very early on when I got started that I will definitely be wanting to mix um, non-technical things with the technical stuff. So as a result, as our community has grown, it's been its identity has been shaped by the fact that we're talking about something which is very unique, all right, which is very different. And so, like, we are happy to refer people to other communities if they're looking for specific answers that perhaps we're not the best people to do that, or there, where there are other resources. Like, big shout out to NIAs with you know 100 days of Kubernetes. Like, that's an amazing resource um, that we refer folks to a lot. Also, obviously, there's some great content coming out from folks like Kunal Kushwaha, the folks at Sivo. There's tons of other stuff out there, right? Um, but like I said, to make our concepts more accessible and more enjoyable, I knew from very early on that I wanted to mix this concept of rap, right? Because it's something, I'm 35 years old, and I've been listening to rap literally since I was about four or five, um, as, as long as I can remember. So it's always something that I've enjoyed a lot. And it's really funny, too, is because when I was in school, uh, we learned multiplication through these really silly uh, rap CDs where they would, you know, teach you, you know, different combinations of numbers. And I just remember I was like, well, if you can do that, why can't we do the same thing with Kubernetes, uh, with data on Kubernetes? So I started doing that. Um, at first, I felt a little bit embarrassed, but I started doing that around uh, October, November of last year. And then it just kind of become something that's stuck, like as part of our identity. But really what it comes down to, because it's not just rap, like we also have other musicians, we have lots of artwork, we have lots of different ways. So that's like, because people learn in different ways. And also what we call, you know, like edutainment, that it can be educational and entertaining at the same time. And because maybe if you see like, oh, um, I don't know, how to, you know, how to run this kind of a database on Kubernetes, maybe you might think, well, I'm not so interested. But if you see some artwork, if you see somebody rapping about it, then it kind of changes the dialogue. You know, it kind of changes the story about like, oh, maybe I will check it out. Um, so it's it's a way to make that entry point a little bit more welcoming and comfortable. Going back to the question more specifically, I would say that how I kind of got started out that as a kid was just reading like lots of poetry and like nursery rhymes and like all that kind of stuff. And so the more comfortable you get with those things, the easier it gets. I've also watched a lot of videos of what's like the new school of battle rap um, where it's not freestyle, it's all written down, but they memorize very, very large pieces of text. And there's a lot of wordplay. Because like I said, one thing is rhyming words, but another thing is like, how can I make this word refer to another one? How can I get a double meaning here and things like that? I've learned a lot because of doing that. Um, but I would say the hardest thing about rapping is trying to take yourself seriously doing it. And because it's tough, like putting, you're really putting yourself out there. I'm lucky that when I was younger, my parents put me in acting classes and that made me a lot more comfortable with myself as well as being in front of other people, uh, as well as with things like public speaking. So if you can ever do an acting class, you don't have to do it to become an actor. You can do it to become more comfortable with yourself, to understand how you build a message, to understand better how you interact with an audience. All those things are super, super helpful. So there's a lot of different skills that you can get from lots of places and then find different ways to combine them, all right? It doesn't matter if like, and this is what I encourage folks to do is, and this is something I'm going to be doing soon on the on the CNCF uh, Cloud Native TV, is a program that's just going to be focused. It's going to be called Art as Code, 
All right. So the idea is that we'll be interviewing different people that are in the CNCF ecosystem or not and hearing about how they approach technology and, and also how they mix their hobbies or just talk about the things that they're interested in, whether it's art, whether it's music, whether it's cooking, whether it's literature, whether it's dance, um, and how those things can sort of overlap and intersect. Because when you start talking to people, you realize there are a lot of musicians, there are a lot of artists, there are a lot of people that have lots of different create, creative sort of interests, and how can you sort of combine those things in the space? And also I think it helps strengthen the connections between people. Um, in the CNCF. So yeah, like I said, uh, opening up a school for rap, I I wish I was that good. I know a lot of other people who I think would be much more qualified to do so, in which case I would love to support an initiative like that. Um, but in the meantime, I'll just try to keep rapping for the time being. Yeah, for sure. And it uh, it uh, really seems so great. You know, I, I, I have heard all of the, you know, raps till now uh, on the uh, DOK communities you know, uh, YouTube channel, you just kill it. You, you rock, you kill it. It's, it's uh, just a fun for us, you know. So now uh, one more question from Arjit only, uh, you know, uh, ML on Kates, what, uh, what future do you see for this? Oh, very good question. Um, we can talk about the future. We can also talk about uh, the present is that there's already lots of stuff going on related to machine learning on Kubernetes. And we've had multiple sessions about that. Um, if whoever asked that would like more info about that, definitely jump into Slack and I would be happy to answer it. Um, but essentially what's going on there with whether it's uh, technologies like Kafka, whether it's technologies like Spark, a lot of the technologies that have been previously used up till now uh, for machine learning are starting to move on to Kubernetes. And to answer that question more broadly as well, is that essentially uh, what's happening, and not in every case, but from what I've noticed, like I said, this is a personal perception, is that a lot of folks want to be able to do everything on Kubernetes. So in the path, so that it doesn't have to be separate stacks, all right? Um, and that for the sake of convenience, that's like, I can have everything all in the same environment. And that way I don't need to look at different places and, and, you know, like have different things set up simultaneously. But essentially that's why I said, that's why a lot of stuff is like, well, if I'm doing it here, how about can I do it on Kubernetes? And it's the same thing with data, you know, data on Kubernetes is like, you know, why do everything statelessly if I can do it statefully? We understand there are challenges. We understand that's a new thing. That's why our community exists, is to make those things easier. But we've had quite a few talks actually about this, this topic of machine learning, and I imagine we'll only be having more. We've had talks about, um, about Argo, about Argo versus Airflow. Um, we have a talk actually tomorrow about Lake FS um, and, and Kubeflow, all right? So there's, there's a lot of great info about Kubeflow if you wanna look that up. Um, that's actually been around, the first time I encountered Kubeflow was about three or four years ago, um, and also building on TensorFlow. So if you're into the machine learning side of things, there is definitely some really solid resources out there. I would encourage whoever asked the question, jump in our Slack and you can ask me directly. And I'd be happy to give you more info about that. We also had a couple of talks in our co-located event in KubeCon in May that specifically addressed this topic of machine learning because we know that machine learning is a very hot topic. We're talking about machine learning, we're talking about artificial intelligence, all those things that will come along with analytics and how that relates to Kubernetes. You know, the Kubernetes ecosystem in general is so big that there are very few things that it's not really touching on a technological level. Um, and a lot of people also say as well too, is that as much as we're talking about this and as frequently as we hear about it in the CNCF landscape, for a lot of people out there, I'm sure in Navi Mumbai as also as well where I'm, where I'm in Spain, you can talk to a lot of folks who are in the IT space or computer science space and they don't know what Kubernetes is. Maybe they've heard of it, but maybe they're still not working with it yet. So although there are, you know, over 100,000 people in the Kubernetes Slack, you know, over 100,000 pull requests and this massive interest in this open source project, there are still millions of people out there in the world who work, like I said, or are connected in some ways to, to IT or computer science, who still have absolutely no idea about this. Um, so I think, what, and that's what's exciting about it, is all the possibilities and the exploration that's going on, the, the pioneer sort of aspect of doing a lot of these things for the first time. Um, but yeah, like I said, going more specifically back to that thing about machine learning. So I'd be happy to continue the conversation on Slack with further resources because we've had quite a few and we could definitely uh, give you some pointers about that. So yeah, great question. Yeah, great question and great answers, you know. <laughs> so with that, um, uh, we have also got one question. I guess this question is from Arshil. Uh, it's a general question. Uh, basically, what is relation between CNCF and Linux Foundation, I guess? 
Yeah, LFX. Very, very good question. So the Linux Foundation um, predates the um, CNCF. Right? I couldn't tell you exactly how long the Linux Foundation has been around. And obviously, very much focused on the largest open source project of all time, which is Linux. Right? Um, Kubernetes is, you know, an increasingly close second to that in terms of contributions and activity. But um, the Linux Foundation is, as like I said, it's 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 very significant. It's got its own agenda and different things that that it's focusing on um, in terms of priorities. But then uh, it was, I believe, in about 2015 that the CNCF was created, right, by Dan Kahn. And I could be wrong about dates, so please don't quote me on this. Um, but if you want to check it out, definitely look at that further. And, <clears throat> excuse me, what the CNCF sought, uh, wanted to do is basically focusing on this, you know, as it says, Cloud Native Computing Foundation, all right? So um, how does how is Cloud Native defined? You'll get different definitions out there, all right? But the CNCF obviously has its own way of looking at that cloud native computing, all right? So focus on the computational aspects that are behind this. So the CNCF was created as a body to be able to um, be the home for lots of different projects, right? And have the, the approach that it has of, of starting out as a sandbox project and eventually moving your all, all, the, all the way through that process, all right? Um, through different sources, sources of approval um, and sort of passing, we can say, uh, through different sorts of phases. And so as a way that open source projects and then get the, the resources, the support, and the inputs that they would need from folks who are literally all over the world. And that's another thing that's super cool about the CNCF is the fact that I can be talking to you right now. I can be talking to someone from Costa Rica in five minutes, and I can be talking to another person from Australia later on. You have people that are from all over the world. That brings its own set of challenges. There are cultural differences. There are language differences. There are different approaches to different technologies in different countries. But that's also the diversity is what adds that extra richness in the collaboration, um, in how people from different countries approach um, solving different problems. That is one of the coolest things as well, too, is like I highly recommend everybody as soon as you can start interacting with people from different countries because it expands your mind and really helps you grow as a person. Um, so that's extremely enriching. I'm growing because of talking to the two of you, right? I don't know how much you're growing because of talking to me, but it's definitely, you know what I mean? Is that like this sort of give and take between folks from different countries is what makes it really special. The CNCF is the owner of Kubernetes, but obviously there are lots of projects that are in, in the CNCF uh, ecosystem that aren't necessarily Kubernetes related. That's why when you'll see for events like KubeCon, it's KubeCon, but also cloud native con, because there are also other CNCF projects that aren't necessarily related to Kubernetes and they deserve attention and love and care and support as well. Um, so don't feel like Kubernetes is the only thing that you can get involved in. If you're interested in other technologies, really simple thing to do. And this goes back to something I learned from Polkit before we started the session. Google it, really simple. Type in CNCF and whatever technology you're interested in, whether it's Python, whether it's Go, whether it's Dart, whether it's Flutter, whether it's Java, whether it's JavaScript, C++, I don't care what it is, WordPress, you will find something. Right. So start with that. And then based on that, then you can kind of figure out, do I want to participate in this group? Do I want to attend this session? What seems the most interesting? So start with yourself and then figure out where in the CNCF ecosystem is going to be best for you. That would be my recommendation. And we'll definitely talk about Googling more later. But that's a very good question. Good. What's up next? Yeah. So surely it's like we, we are getting 100x productive by talking to you. So yeah, now we can have some questions from Karthike. So. Yeah, you can take up this stage now. So yeah, uh, but you always know me in terms of community and specifically. So like what you think, what is the future of community in terms of when we're talking about DevOps or CNCF or in general, if you're saying what is the future, can we get more jobs in community star specifically? Uh, because many people uh, share like uh, always share the insight when we compare as a SD role kind of thing when we are comparing about any companies like SD role has a like a very high end on on that end so what do you think can can uh, a community manager you can say community part kind of thing can bring out on a more more on a front end because like many product based companies are now uh, now know the value of the community specifically so like what do you think what is the future of community in upcoming years you can say this is a super good question, all right? Um, I'm gonna look for one resource to give you in terms of a very, very big thing that's focused on community. Um, this is a very good question. I think, personal opinion, I think there are going to be, this is personal opinion, right? So I could be wrong about this, but I think there are gonna be lots and lots of opportunities in the future to be thinking about, um, about community. And why is that? 
for two reasons. A, from a product perspective, like I said, in the DOK, we're vendor neutral, so we're not promoting like a single product. But plenty of the companies that are in, in our ecosystem, right, they are focusing on, you know, uh, pushing a product. So if you go to their Slacks, you know, or they have their own, their own community pages, you'll see a lot of those kinds of resources. Why are communities so valuable for companies? Well, for different reasons. You get direct feedback from users that are telling you what they like and what they don't like. They can be finding bugs. Basically, communities allow you to detect problems that your eyes might not be able to detect, right? So that's extremely valuable. Then another added value to that too is the talent factor. In the IT world and the computer science world, it is increasingly difficult to find the right profiles. There are many, many more jobs than there are people to fill them, right? Some of those jobs demand very high levels of qualification, of course, but in general, most companies are struggling from this problem. And in particular, I would say that one of the areas where companies are struggling most are roles that are related to community, all right? What's, what you may have heard about developer relations or developer advocacy, these kind of roles are generally someone who has technical knowledge and then who also likes interacting with people, doing things like tutorials, creating their own videos, their own blog posts, the content to support this kind of stuff. Um, this is a this is a role that's expanding a lot, all right? So I definitely think that that's going to be something that's important. Most companies are quite clear that if they – because you'll see this. It's not necessarily about the best – it's not just that the best technologies win, right? Very often there could be a great technology, but if it doesn't have good community development or good outreach or ability to connect with people, it's not going to go anywhere. There might be a technology that's not so great, but if they're really good at being inclusive – and, and really getting out there and sharing their message with people in an effective way, they may do much better than a technology that's actually stronger or has more benefits. Um, but that part of it is extremely important. If you want to know more about this aspect about community, I highly recommend them in a YouTube chat. Check out John O'Bacon. All right, he is uh, like uh, probably one of the biggest leaders, all right, thought leaders when it comes to this aspect of community. And so he wrote this book called The Art of Community, where he sort of outlines, explains how different companies, whether it's Salesforce or other really, really large firms, have used communities for a long time, right? Nowadays, we think of communities are very dynamic. In the past, it could have just been, you know, like a forum, all right, or maybe a chat or something less formal. But now there are communities that have hundreds of thousands of members, right, that are actively talking and interacting with each other. Um, so like I said, there's, there's tons of value behind that. And John O'Bacon is now working with lots of different companies that are struggling with the same issue of how can we make our community a dynamic and vibrant space? I'm not telling anybody that there's one community model that works for everybody. That's not the case. How your community works depends on the community members that you want to have, right? Based on my product or service or objectives or whatever, what kind of space do I need to be creating that provides a meaningful experience, right? So that people will come back so that these folks also will tell their friends, hey, you should join here because I'm really enjoying this or this has been useful for me or beneficial. You don't want to have to do the recruiting. You want your community members to be bringing people in as well. Of course, you're going to do it too. But when you really create a space where people, like I said, find meaning and how do you find meaning? That's up for you to decide based on the profile of the people that you're trying to get in there. Is it, is it, is your community going to be for absolutely everybody? Probably not. You can segment different profiles as we do in our community. We have things that are for beginners and we also have things for folks that have been working for 15, 20 years with databases and have a lot of technical experience. All right. If we give those folks beginners content or we give the beginners, uh, you know, content that's really, really, uh, you know, low level, extremely technical, both of them are probably going to have a confusing negative experience. All right. So that's what we segment it. We generally have at least two sessions every week that are focused more on the practitioner side, folks that are you know driving this kind of stuff. It doesn't mean beginners can't attend and ask questions. Of course, we want them to be there. But then we also have sessions that we collaborate with the CNCF students group that are more focused on folks that are just getting started in this journey, right? So that it makes it easier for them. Uh, so like I said, the community aspect, you can bet that it's gonna be around. Are there going to be job opportunities? Abs absolutely. Communities sometimes can be focused on by country. More and more, they're international. So like I said, that's also why it's extremely beneficial to be interacting with folks from different countries because people in the U.S., and when I say people in the U.S., it's a country of 327 million. If we're talking about India, we're talking about over a billion. 
So to say they're all like this or they're all like that, that's, that's a misconception. That's incorrect too. But you do understand certain things. For example, in India, it's not uncommon to do uh, live streams and Twitter spaces and things like that on Friday evening, Saturday and Sunday. In the U.S., in the U.K., in Spain, generally people don't do that. There are some that do. Um, but like I said, you have to be uh, with communities. I think it's increasingly important depending on the objectives. Right? If it's just a local thing, then think locally. But if you're going for a global thing, you got to think globally. So different, like I said, different elements there are, are, are going to be important. But I think the best thing to do is to be involved in different communities, to see their best practices. And then if you want to start one on your own, you can kind of get inspired. Right? We don't want to say steal ideas, but you can get inspired by the different things that they're doing. And there's always going to be a little bit of trial and error. Don't think like, okay, we're just going to copy this and paste it because that probably won't work. And one of the most important things about communities as well as getting feedbacks, asking people about how can I do this better? Um, what would you like to see more of? What kind of content do you find the most meaningful or useful? Really understand the people that you're serving. It's not about you. It's about them. So make sure that you're putting them first as often as possible. Yeah, such a great discussion going on here. And uh, like uh, we have got one more question from, I guess, Varghese. That's, and that is basically pre-request for newcomers to explore kids. Yeah, now you can take a Yeah, um, regarding getting started on Kubernetes, there are tons and tons of resources out there. But as Polkit mentioned, he's absolutely right. Before you're going to get into Kubernetes, it's probably a good idea to do a couple of different things. Um, as he said, if you're going to get in, Kubernetes is a container orchestrator. So in order to understand a, what a container orchestrator is, you probably need to understand about containers, right? And if you want to go even further back, you can look at you know, virtual machines. Um, but things like Docker. On our YouTube channel from the Data on Kubernetes community, check out our YouTube channel. We have a session that's just an intro to Docker. We all, so I would watch that first. Then we have a session that's an intro to Kubernetes, right? You can also find lots of intros to Kubernetes. Going back to what I mentioned, which is an amazing piece of advice from Polkit, and I hope that he makes a video or a blog post just about this, is how to get good at using Google, right? There are tons of answers in Google. If you spend 10 minutes looking for this stuff in Google, you're going to find a ton of resources. Um, I'd be happy to give um, Polkit later on some, some beginner's resources that have been compiled. But one thing that Kunal Kushwa has said one time is that there is not one magic resource, right? All these things are going to take time. Be patient. All of you are very intelligent people. Kubernetes is quite a complex thing that's going to take some time. It doesn't mean you're stupid if you don't understand it the first time. It means you're normal. Most people, it's not the first time. It's going to be the 10th or the 50th or the 100th time. It takes time. So get in there. Get your questions. Keep putting your questions in Google, chase down the answers, get involved in the CNCF, attend some sessions. But like I said, be patient. This is a, a great, it's a, it's a long-term process. Don't, nobody becomes a Kubernetes expert in a year. All right. Or if it happens, please let me know. And I would love to have that person in a session to talk about what they did. Um, and generally those people that do excel a lot is because they're reading, they're listening, they're watching. Really what it comes down to about how to learn this, what works best for you? Do you like listening to podcasts? There are tons of podcasts. If you want to, one of the main podcasts that, that's out there, but the level might be a little bit high, is the Kubernetes podcast from Google, right? Which is a resource that I use. But there are lots of other resources. If you type intro to Kubernetes in Google right now, you're going to find hundreds, if not thousands of different results. The documentation from the CNCF is also extremely helpful. Check that out. It's pretty good, all right? People have been working on this, adding, correcting, changing things. So if you just go to kubernetes.io, you'll find tons of things there. Um, so like I said, that's something that I would recommend. Another thing that's more um, CNCF is a, let me find this because I'll, I'll put this in the, in the chat, is a cloud native glossary, all right? So this is a wonderful, um, project that was launched last uh, this this year in, in May in KubeCon. Um, so I'll link that here in the in the YouTube chat. Um, CNCF glossary, great comments in here by the way. Thank you all. Um, so yeah, check that out because that has some like key concepts and key terms that maybe for some folks they're not familiar with. Um, but it's just an easy way to sort of understand the vocabulary and the way we're thinking about things here. I saw another question as well. This is a question that we get very very frequently. Um, about how to get an internship or a mentorship. 
Um, so I would check this out. I'll put this in here as well too. If you're interested in this, um, these things go out every once in a while. Uh, but also once again, there are lots of different ways to learn about um, cloud native technologies apart from the internships. Internships or mentorships are great, but like I said, it's not the only way to do that, all right? Um, one of the easiest ways to get involved, like I said, read the documentation and then find a SIG, a special interest group, right? Where you can find out more information. Um, there, you can find out tons and tons of stuff about all the different SIGs. That could be about storage, that could be about security, that could be about the release, that could be about contributor experience. Um, there's a lot, of, like I said, there's a lot of different things out there. Um, but basically, all you have to do to join a SIG is attend one meeting per week. And don't worry if you don't understand 20%, uh, 50%, 80%, 90%. Remember, number one way to get involved, be nice, be friendly. Do not be aggressive. Do not expect to get everything right away. The best way to do it is that if you go in there and do your homework, as Polkid had mentioned, you do your Google searches, you read some documentation, you watch a couple of videos, you read some blog posts. Then after that, you write down your questions. And when you start interacting with people, you say, I looked here, I read this, I watched this, I looked at this, and these are my questions because I'm still not sure about it, or I'm a beginner, can you please help me? That's a much better way of saying, I need everything right now. I want an internship, give me some swag. That's not a good way to start out the conversation. Um, so like I said, a little bit of kindness and politeness and humility goes a long way in these kinds of environments. Also, if you ask a question, people will get to it, but don't expect necessarily an answer in 15 seconds, right, or 15 minutes. Generally within a couple of days, someone should get back to you. And if they don't, then you can either find somebody else, maybe they're busy, maybe they're on holiday, there could be a lot of different things. Be patient, all right? Um, this is, this is a, it's, a, it's always gonna be a work in progress. I'm going to send you a very extensive list of beginner resources. And like I said, it, we're not telling you that you need to know all of them. You just, you can play around and see which ones work best for you. But this uh, resource list was attended, was created by a wonderful person named Dims, who's a CNCF ambassador. Um, and so you've got lots and lots of stuff there. And this is something that we're always sharing with lots of different folks because they're asking the same questions, right? About like, hey, how can, how can I get started? Uh, what's the best way to get started with Kubernetes? Great question. Take a look at these resources. Start playing around with them. Um, see if you can get Kubernetes set up on your computer. There are also things like, you know, students can attend KubeCon for free. All right, and we will also be having um, a, a, you know, some student-specific uh, sessions, and you're more than welcome to attend them. For the Data on Kubernetes community, we will also be having a student's day that will be one week before uh, KubeCon. Uh, so the week of October 4th, I believe. We're not, we haven't decided on a day yet, but there will be more information about that. For folks who want to give talks, right? so giving talks, that's a great way to put yourself out there, and also giving talks obliges you to learn the material. Um, so that's another benefit of doing that. So like I said, these are these are all some of the different ways that, um, that you can approach this. There are, of course, other ways, and I'm happy to continue the conversation. Um, other questions, Polkit, what do we got? So first of all, um, basically, you know, uh, you mentioned such a great things in it. So I would recommend one thing, even uh, this this thing was uh, uh, said by um, Kunal Khushwa specifically, uh, you know, he told that uh, even um, there are uh, various content creators that create content for uh, others to help, right? But maybe you can do the uh, same, same work for helping uh, yourself out. Like basically, you know, um, instead of writing notes on your pages and all, you can just uh, create that notes as a blog post as um, you know, um, videos and such type of contents that can even help others at the same time, you can even refer it for your future preference, right? So these, these things can even help you out. So apart from this, now let's get into uh, open source stuff, right? So how CNCF can help open, uh, like uh, help a student or anyone who is beginner uh, to get into open source and like how they can get started with contributing towards projects and all. Very, very good question. Um, so responding to about getting involved in different projects, all right, you'll hear this a lot. And also there are lots of different, I'm gonna be giving a talk in KubeCon about non-code contributions. 
And there are tons of them out there as well. I mean, I'd be happy to link one that Kunal Kishwaha did not that long ago with two wonderful people. Um, um, let's see. Non code. I'm just going to look for this. Uh, but yeah, there are a lot, you know, with, with open source, there is there are tons of different things, right? Open source depends on the people who are involved in it to provide, you know, input and, and participate. And like I said, the easiest, you know, a non-code contribution is attending a meeting and being nice. That's a non, that's a contribution, right? Because if you're nice, that positive energy will make the other people that are contributing feel good about what they're doing as well. Most of these people are doing this in their, in their, uh, you know, in their spare time and their free time. Um, so as much as you can contribute to having a positive atmosphere, that's a huge contribution. Other things you will frequently see in, in the SIGs, um, at least in the CNCF, that a lot of times they will have beginner issues. So if you join a SIG or if you get in so involved in some kind of open source project, um, whether it's uh, Thanos, whether it's uh, Kiberno, whether it's uh, Open Policy Agent, I don't care what it is, ask the people that are involved, ask the maintainers, hey, uh, Keptin is another great uh, uh, open source project in the CNCF. There are lots and lots of different ones, but to ask them like, hey, um, are there any beginner issues that I could help solve? And generally they will have issues that are more focused on beginners. So you don't have to start out with the big hairy things. You can get started with something that's a little bit easier. And if you have problems, then you can ask for help there too. But just be very specific. Don't just say, I need help. Saying, I have been looking at this and I'm stuck or I haven't been able to move further here. Show them that you've made an effort and then it's much easier, more probable that people will get involved to help out. Um, but like I said, I wanna link this I want to link this video. Here we go. So yeah, this these are three wonderful, well, two wonderful people. I'm sure you all know who Kunal Bushwaha is already, but Savitha, who was the um, release leader, right, for um, this most recent Kubernetes release, is an amazing person. Um, there's a recent podcast interview with her on the Google uh, Kubernetes podcast from Google, where she talks about her experience leading the release team. It's not super technical, so you can, I can, if I can understand it, you definitely can too. So don't worry about that. Um, but there's another wonderful, wonderful person who's the CNCF ambassador, Divya Mohan, who I'm a huge fan of, and she also helped me get involved in in the CNCF. So I'm extremely grateful to her. Um, but there's, I'm going to share this video in the in the in the chat for folks that want to get started with non-code contributions. Um, you, you can definitely check that out, right? It's a really, really, it's a great video. It's a nice interview um, and explains all the different kinds of ways that you can get involved. Something that was mentioned in the last KubeCon in a panel discussion that was specifically about this topic was reviewing documentation, right? There are lots of typographical errors in the documentation and that makes it then difficult for people to understand what's being talked about. So just reviewing the documentation and making corrections um, in spelling mistakes or if it's the wrong word or things like that, that's also a contribution. So everybody, like I said, everyone can contribute, even if the only thing that you're doing is listening to the meetings, reading the documentation and just being friendly. That's more than enough. And once again, particularly in a challenging year like 2021, um, a little bit really, really does go a long way. So don't think that just because you're a beginner that you can't start participating because there are tons of different ways. I can primarily speak about open source projects in the CNCF, but most open source projects in general will have a similar sort of uh, a feeling and a similar sort of experience. Yeah, you have included such a great points. Like even someone can get started with, by even using that software, that's even a contribution. There are lots of contribution apart from just coding stuff and all, right? Yep. So um, you have mentioned all the great points. So now, you know, basically, even though there are many folks who would be uh, uh, like able to configure what is CNCF and what is uh, all these things like DOK community and all. So can you please uh, uh, give me uh, a brief out about what is CNCF so that like if the, uh, there are some folks who are unable to understand what is CNCF, they can, right? Okay. Um, so the CNCF, as it is a foundation, right, is a nonprofit entity that was created from the, the Linux Foundation. And, and like I said, it's basically designed to, to be a space where people can be working on different open source projects. I want to explain one thing really quickly. If you look at the CNCF landscape, all right, um, which I recommend and I don't recommend, <laughs> um, but I think, it, I think it is important to, to just understand how big it is 
but no one, even the people that are in charge of the CNCF, they do not know about all the projects. All right? I'm going to link it here in the chat all right, so that you can see the interactive landscape of all the different projects that are going on um, because there are tons. Right? If you take a look at this and you can zoom in and you can see about different things, um, so you can see uh, the projects in different phases that they're at. Um, and the different members that are involved, right? There are all these different things. So, you know, the different levels of the different companies, but no one is expecting you to understand even 10% of this. But it's just so you get an idea about how big this is and how much it has grown in the time that it's existed, right? Because the growth has been quite intense. So the CNCF is a place where all these different um, projects are ongoing. Obviously, it has private support from all the major cloud providers, you know, Amazon, uh, Google, IBM, Microsoft, et cetera, um, Alibaba Cloud, all these different companies are involved involved in that because they know that the the present and the future is in open source, right? They know that. Um, they know that their developers, that their staff, that they want to be working on open source projects. So they're committed to that as part of their mission. So you will see all these companies participating because they know that the CNCF is the largest uh, foundation of its kind, part of the Linux Foundation, um, that's working on these kinds of things. If you want to know more about the CNCF uh, history, you can um, you can check it out. Where was I going to say? Here we go. So as I, as I pointed out about the, uh, the landscape, all right, this is from a few years ago. But um, if you want to get a clear idea about how this works, um, you have a nice article that's there. And if you want to understand the person who started it, um, it's Dan Kahn, right? So he um, unfortunately passed away uh, last year in in November, but he was the first director of of the of the CNCF, right? And uh, has now passed uh, passed on the control of that to the the current director, who is uh, Priyanka, and she's doing an amazing job. Big shout out to her. But like I said, if you want to understand more about Dan Khan's mission and why he got started out with this, how he got started out and the things that he was doing, you have all that there in, the, in that link that I posted. Um, like I said, the rest of it, check out the, all the other stuff that you would want to know is, is on the CNCF website. So that would definitely be the best resource to get more information. Yeah, you know, uh, CNCF website has all the resources you want to get into it. Like uh, they also have the contributor and maintainer guides as well for getting into open source stuffs and all. So with that, uh, can you please even uh, brief me out with the, uh, you know, uh, DOK community and all like, what is DOK community and then? Very good. All right, so like I said, uh, when Kubernetes was originally designed, the questions about data were kind of left out. You also have to remember that Kubernetes was originally and still is an internal tool that's using Google, right? Um, that's called Borg, B-O-R-G. So if you want to know more about that, you can just look that up. But, and so at Google, they still use this. And, and inside Google, they don't call it Kubernetes. They refer to it as Borg. Google created this project and gave it to the CNCF, right, um, about mm, six, seven years ago. So they did that, and that's when Kubernetes was sort of born. And since then, it has not belonged to Google. Google is obviously still very actively contributing and all these kinds of things. Um, but they're there. The questions about data and what we call stateful data. If you want to check, if you want to know more about that, I highly recommend watching um, a wonderful session that we had last week uh, with Eric Zietlow about intro to persistence, right, in which we had these questions more directly answered. Um, intro to persistence in Kubernetes. This kind of is an explanation about, at a high level, a lot of the concepts that are going to be featured in our community. Because like I said, the, the ideas about stateful data were not really included when Kubernetes was started. Right? The, the approach that was recommended was to do everything statelessly. That means not actually putting your data on Kubernetes, keeping it outside. Um, so our community got started because um, some companies said, hey, there should be more conversations about how to make this easier for folks who do want to run their data on Kubernetes. It shouldn't be so painful. It shouldn't be so challenging. And we can see both vendors as well as end users um, who can talk about this. So that's how the DOK got started last year in, in July. And then, like I said, I joined in around in around September. And so the, the fundamental idea is that every week we have sessions with different practitioners who can talk about their experiences of working with data on Kubernetes. Right? That means databases. That means storage. That means things like operators. Um, there are other elements as well, as we mentioned earlier, things like machine learning come into play, things like artificial intelligence come into play. 
Um, things like uh, networking come into play, analytics, cybersecurity, of course, all these different elements are included in this, we can say, ecosystem. So the idea is that the more practitioners that we have from different companies, from different countries, in different languages, all right? We've done sessions in Hindi, you've done sessions in Spanish, you've done sessions in Portuguese, we plan on doing sessions in Russian and German and French, as many different languages as possible to truly make this accessible and inclusive. The, easy, the more we can have this kind of content being created, the easier it will be for people who want to be working with stateful workloads on Kubernetes, right? So that's where our community came from. That focus is quite specific. And we know that there aren't millions of people doing this, right? We, we're not expecting to have the same numbers as you know uh, the, the Kubernetes community, right? Our piece is a, is a smaller part. It's something that's growing. It's something that you will be hearing about a lot more in the next year, in the next two years, in the next three years, as more companies start to adopt this model and start to do these things in a more proactive way. So like I said, that's the sort of mission behind the DOK is to make these technologies more accessible, easier to work with, um, to help people that are doing this, to have a space where they can come and ask their questions and have them answered, um, to help professionals from different companies to share best practices, even if they are direct competitors, as we say, as you know, Rising tides lift all boats. Um, so that's the sort of philosophy behind this. And also, like I said, what makes our community very unique and different from other communities is that we are not focused on a single product, right? We are vendor neutral. So we don't care what company somebody works at. If they're using open source and they're working with data on Kubernetes in a real way, then of course they have a place in our community. If not, we are happy to refer them to other places that might fit better with their agenda and their mission. Um, but that's like I said, is that we, we started out mostly focusing on practitioners with lots of experience. In the last few months, we've been bringing in, and through the help of our amazing interns, I don't know if they're in the audience, but big shout out to Von Chika, big shout out to Kaiwalia, big shout out to Kunal Wedma, um, amazing folks, young people that are working with us to make these concepts more accessible and easier to understand for folks who are just getting started out, all right? We're not expecting you to have a super high level. We want you to be able to understand the basic concepts that are behind this, so we have a series of different initiatives to make these concepts easier to understand, all right? Um, so you will be seeing more content like that, that favors that, like I said, younger uh, crowd, um, or when we say younger, it doesn't just have to be younger. People that could be 45 years old, but that are getting started with this. We want everybody to have different resources to make this stuff uh, more accessible. So that's what the DOK comes down to. And we believe that that should be done in, in an inclusive way in a way where no one ever feels stupid, where no question is too basic, right? That's not a problem. We may direct you from one channel to another so that your questions will get answered appropriately based on the different people who can respond to them um, most appropriately. But but like I said, those are those are the things that we're really all about. Um, and, and then from there is that uh, obviously visibility in, in large events like KubeCon is a big thing for us because that's where we get to go and celebrate and show everybody all around the world what is happening in this space that different companies from different countries with different use cases with different um you know end users that they can all come together and share those experiences together so we will be doing another co-located event like i said in kubecon on october 12th and you're all more than invited it's going to be totally free um we will also have a students uh event the week before that so there'll be more information about that soon um because we always want to include students as much as we can but like I said, these are the things that you're going to be seeing from us. Um, there's a, a book being written right now through O'Reilly about, um, about working with data on Kubernetes. We are working on more and more internal resources with the help of our interns, with the help of the DOK team to make these concepts more accessible. And so you can expect to be getting more and more stuff from us uh, in the future. In the meantime, you can check out our YouTube channel. You can check out our website. You can check out our Slack. Uh, we've got lots and lots of stuff on there. We've done over 70 um, live streams, so there's lots of content. Like I said, some of it's more beginner-friendly than others. I'm not telling you to not watch um, every video. If you want to watch every video, go for it. But if you want a little bit of guidance on, on things that might be easier to start out with, I'd be happy to do that, as well as, our, like I said, our amazing team of interns. Um, they could do that, too. So I hope that explains what we're doing. Uh, I may have forgotten a couple of things, but I think that's a general definition of what the DOK is about. Yeah, so such an awesome content going on right now. Yep. And basically, we all are extremely excited for KubeCon, which is upcoming right now. 
So now uh, we have got one more question from Unnati. It's basically like, what drives you to communities and why is it important for an individual? Very, very good. So what drives you to communities? Uh, communities, like I said, is that communities are a space to connect with different folks from different places who have something in common, right? So like I said, there will be communities about uh, JavaScript, right? So the people that are interested in JavaScript, they can share resources, they can share blogs, they can share videos, they can give talks, they can do podcasts. Um, they can interact with people and they can get their questions answered. That's generally what communities are kind of about is like a gathering point, a sort of hub. And that's what we want to be, all right? For questions that are related to data on Kubernetes, we want to be the place where those questions get answered. All right, so how do we do that? We have really smart people who have a lot of experience that can answer those questions. Um, and they are all focused in the same place. We share resources in terms of articles, in terms of videos and things like that. We create content based on the things that people say that they would like to learn. So if a lot of folks are saying, I would like to have more sessions about this topic, or we're really interested in knowing more about this, strategically speaking, we will be trying to respond to those requests that people are making. Um, so yeah, so that's, like I said, I think a lot of what community is about is not feeling alone and having the trust that someone out there will, will be answering your questions. Um, I think that's, um, that's what uh, communities provide. So like on a group level, it's it's that kind of a feeling. On an individual level, it's knowing that if I have questions, I'm helping myself get the necessary skills to do my job better, which then means my salary will increase or maybe I can work in a better company, All right, So communities are very, very helpful for that. So you have a place where you can go and get those questions answered. Maybe in your own company, you're the only person who's working on that. Um, or maybe you don't have enough resources close by. So communities allow you to be connected to people all over the world with different experiences. And so to be able to connect with them and you never know, maybe in the future, they might hire you. Maybe in the future, you might hire them. So like I said, those connections are really, really powerful. That's how I got involved in the DOK was because of maintaining a friendship over many, many years and never you know, expecting anything like this to be coming out of it. But generally, if you treat people well, good things will probably come back to you and happen. So be proactive and do that. Uh, look for those opportunities where you can pay it forward or create moments of viral generosity. And then you'll see them pay back maybe in six months, maybe in 10 years, maybe never. But the main thing is showing that kindness to other people to encourage them to do the same thing. Yeah, correct, correct. So it's basically like, you know, even uh, you talked uh, such a great point, like uh, community has helped me, specifically me in everything, you know. Uh, let it be even my first internship was got into uh, through one of my connection in community only and these things right yep no that's true um it's a great way to make yourself visible um and so that that you can see people so that people can see you um so that's a that's a really really good way like i said to to, to get out to put yourself out there if people don't know who you are, it's pretty difficult for them to consider you for things like an internship or stuff like that. So it's a really, really good way to do it. Um, yeah, so I, I completely agree. It doesn't mean, and maybe not every community is gonna work for you. You have to ask yourself, what do I want? Right? What is it that I'm interested in? And then based on that, you can find the right place for you where you'll be able to grow and get the answers that you're looking for. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. oh man, these are great comments in the chat. Thank you all so much. Um, I hope that I get to interact with you all again. And I really think as well too, is that I would like Polka to do a specific session just about how, what's worked for him in terms of getting answers and looking information, looking for information. He's obviously someone who's very, very proactive, who's always, you know, looking for, for new stuff. And I think he does that very well. Um, and, and I think that can be very valuable for other folks because it's overwhelming. Like, and, and we're not saying that, you know, that these things will all be found instantly. It does take time. It takes practice. Yeah. But anyway, I really, really like the questions. I really like the interactions. I love this energy. So all of you, like I said, keep up, keep up the positive vibes, keep doing your thing. Um, be proactive. 2021 is going to be a challenging year. 2022 may also be a challenging year. So find things that you like and do them as often as possible. And, and really, really, really use this time, take advantage of all the virtual stuff that's going on, to meet with people from other countries, to connect, all that kind of stuff. I really can't recommend that enough. Um, so yeah, Bart, um, uh, any uh, last points you would like to add for all the uh, attendees? Very simple. Yeah. yeah, very, very simple, very simple last points. 
Chaktefate and Jai Hind. That's all I got to say. Yeah, so awesome. So with that, uh, thank you so much everyone for joining us here. Bye-bye. All right, shukriya. Take care.